Amen. Whoo! God is so awesome, isn't he? All the time. God is awesome. Wow. It's a beautiful group of people here today. And you're in for uh, something. And Holy Spirit knows what the something is. Okay? Say, I'm in for something. And the Holy Spirit knows what that something is. Okay? Uh, this has been a great weekend, starting Friday night and Saturday night. And this morning, uh, we've determined there's not going to be a service tonight, so uh, don't come and ask. <laughs> but this has been the weekend of the voice of the prophets. It has been powerful. It's stretched me. Uh, if you've been stretched this weekend, if you've been here Friday or Saturday night, <laughs> woo, you got stretched. And um, probably going to get stretched some more. So, say I want, say I want whatever God wants for me. I bind up a religious spirit, and I lose faith in this place, in my heart. I repent of any judgments I've made, of things I don't understand, and I receive. The true, the authentic word of the Lord. Amen. Well, I'm going to let Ron introduce our guest. And now, Ron, may, I don't know what Ron has for us. This is totally like Holy Spirit led. So, welcome, Prophet Ron Campbell, to the stage. We're kind of off center today, are we? Or are we on center? We're centered? Jeez, I feel off center. Thank you, thank you. So, um, uh, I just want to quickly just pray and just then I want to share something with you and then I'm going to give it over to Raj. But Father, I just thank you for the anointing today that we can bind the minds of the saints to the mind of Christ. Lord, traditions, religion, anything that has come into the mind of the conscience of the saints today, which is a contradiction in your will and your word for their lives today, has to bow its knee. And we just release the healing power of Christ upon the minds of the saints in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, over this weekend, uh, there's been a lot of prophetic things shared, but I want to reiterate and go back to something I shared yesterday. Is about, um, I believe the Holy Spirit woke me up a while back with a shofar sound and told me that it's time to get ready. And so I just thought to myself, okay, so I got up and I got ready. I got dressed, it was 3 o'clock in the morning, and I said, all right, now talk. So the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And told me that there's coming a movement of God. I'm not talking about a revival. I'm not talking about an outpouring. I'm talking about a movement. But the significance of this movement is it's going to come to those who see and who are prepared. But those who don't see and are not prepared, it will pass them by. And I thought, myself, wow, that's kind of like, wow. But it's actually true if you think about it. Is, and, and so I'm basing the principle of what I shared on this this fact that God spoke to Moses in Exodus and said you need to build it according to the pattern and then in uh, Exodus 34 he said he gave certain people with certain creative gifts to put things together so everything in process that God developed in the beginning is relevant for today you know the, the, the Old Testament books are a shadow of the New Testament of things to come today we're walking in the fullness 
of those things that Moses only saw from a distance. Right? Right? Good. So, here's what I want to say. I want to share with you this morning about the battlefield. Because anytime God starts to do something, because we know that God is the initiator, nothing happens unless God initiates it. Now, a lot of men initiate things, and then they ask God to bless it, right? <laughs> and I, most of them get disappointed, because God's not going to come bless something that He has no involvement in. So people say, well, if you build it, they'll come. That doesn't mean to say the Holy Spirit will come. We've turned the church in this culture... We've turned it into a business organization. And then we do these funny things and noise and sounds and all this sort of stuff, thinking that it's going to impact the people. But in basic fact, it's a lie. And what has happened is the church has been subverted in this culture because we have no impact on the culture whatsoever. And the impact that we have is a negative one. If you speak to any unsaved person and you say, well, I'm a Christian... They're going to laugh at you. Why? Because we have no power. We have no authority. And most of us, with all due respect, are out of our right mind. I'm not being funny with you. I sat next to a business on a plane one day, and he said, what do you do? I said, uh, I'm a consultant. <laughs> I said, what do you do? He says, well, I'm a minister from the Assemblies of God Church. When I heard that accent, I said, yeah, I'm glad I never said I'm a minister. Because the bottom line is that next to the religious spirit. And so the bottom line is I prayed for him. And I said, Holy Spirit, in my mind, I said, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do something for this man. I know he was ordering drinks. He was drinking and carrying on. I'm sitting there thinking, myself, you're an assembly's got minister and you're drinking? <laughs> so going through the process, I said, it's obvious to me that you've gone through some experiences in life and that you've been wounded. You look at me and say, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you're an Assemblies of God minister. I know what the Assemblies of God believe, and you're drinking. He said, yeah, I've just gone through a divorce, and I've been turfed out of the Assemblies of God church. So then why do you hold on to that? I mean, I said, I'm a minister too. I said, but I consult with people, and I speak the word of the Lord to people. I said, well, okay, well, will you pray for me? I said, yeah. And as I put my hand over to reach his hand to pray for him, it felt like the baggage compartment above his head opened up, and something fell on him. <laughs> and I could feel it with the Spirit of God just fell on him right there next to me. And yes, I know that he'd been drinking alcoholic spirits, but what happened to him wasn't alcoholic spirit. It was the Spirit of God fell on him, and he was as drunk as anything. So I watched when I got off the plane, I watched them call a wheelchair for him. And roll him away. The pastor met me. He said, what happened to him? I said, I prayed for him. He said, he's drunk. I said, yeah. He was drinking, but the Spirit of God fell on him, and they, they couldn't work out what happened to him. You see, what I'm telling you is that there's the authentic, and then there's the illegitimate. And here's what the battlefield is, people. Listen. The God of this world is blind in the understanding of them that are perishing, so that we may not see the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The battlefield is the mind and the conscience. And no matter what you deal with in life, everything pertains to the way you think. As a man thinketh, so is he. All right? Why am I saying this to you? Because, well, instead of just sharing, let me read you the scripture. 
in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1 to 3, and this is written in the message. The Spirit makes it clear that as time goes on, some are going to give up on the faith and chase after demonic illusions put forth by professional liars. Their lies have lied, the liars have lied so well for so long that they have lost the capacity for truth. If you look in the King James Version, the Spirit speaks expressively that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now listen to me. Your mind is made up of two components. It's made up of your mind, which you think with, and then it's made up of your conscience. Your conscience is broken up into three compartments. Your, your conscious mind is when you're awake, things you see, things that go on around you, keeps you relevant. It's connected to a reticular activating system within your mind. And what it does is like a firewall. It prevents things from coming to you because there's so much going on that if you didn't have a firewall, you'd be overwhelmed by all the things going on around about you. So your conscience, while you're awake, you can see things and you can hear and you can understand. Then when you're sleeping, your subconscious mind kicks into activity. That's where your dream life is. That's where you dream and all those things happen to you in your dream life through your sub. It comes from the history that's kept in you. The history of your life and experiences and expressions and failures and pains and that is kept in your creative subconscious mind. That's a little bit, though, that's the foundation building block. So like for interest sake, you walk into a place and you smell a smell and suddenly you're reminded of something. That's because the smell has been connected to something within your organ memory or your muscle memory that is connected to your creative subconscious mind that reminds you of an event or an experience in your life, negative or positive. You see what I mean? We are, we are complex beings. So when the Spirit of God comes in your life, there's a cleansing that takes place. Your mind needs to be renewed. That also goes then to your conscience. Your conscience needs to be renewed. Because here it says that you've been branded with a nine. It's been damaged. So your conscience has been damaged. Wonder, you wonder why sometimes you go back to doing the same old things that you always do? That, that got you pain? You look at people who come out of bad relationships. They go right out of a bad relationship into another one. You ask yourself, what is wrong with you? They can't help it. You know why? It's because their conscience has been seared. The ability to say yes and no has been damaged. Your conscience translated in the Greek is called sundiesis, which means the moral co-perception. So your conscience and your mind works together and being able to give you the ability to say yes or no. Why am I sharing this with you? We've, we've released some things here prophetically over you as a church. Now the truth is, the battle for you is going to be what is in your mind, and how are you going to deal with what God is saying? How are you going to assimilate to what God is saying? Well, I'll tell you how. You're going to have to go back, and you're going to have to start praying and ask God to cleanse your mind of the things of the world. Listen, the world is full of deception. Drive down the highway and see all the billboards, see all the advertising, all stuff that catches your eye. Don't forget, your eye is a gateway to your soul. So everything comes in. And so you wonder why sometimes we battle. I mean, listen, look at social media. Look at the garbage that people, look at the garbage Christians are putting on social media. I ask myself the questions, have you been saved? The garbage and the judgment and the vitriol and the venom and the rubbish. 
You know why? It's because you believe a lie. And you've been lied to and you in the process become a liar. When you start transmitting what somebody else says and you don't have facts, you start transmi- you're not transmitting truth, you're transmitting lies. And we've been called to be proponents of truth. To speak the truth at all times. People get upset with me. I don't really care. Because it's more about making sure that you are saved than making sure that I'm protected. I can defend myself. I don't worry. I know the word. When I listen to the garbage people say, I think to myself, you know, you need fivefold ministry. <laughs> Why am I sharing this with you? It's because it's imperative that you realize that we have been wounded through the process of this world. But God, by His sovereign power, has brought His Son, Jesus Christ. And the blood of Christ can cleanse and wash. And, and the, the bread that we just ate, it takes care of things within your body. When He says, do this, do it in remembrance of me. What is the remembrance? The victory over sin and death. See, I, I want to encourage you as a church. I've always stood before you and declared the truth to you. And I've done it in a way that I know that when I walk away, my conscience is clean. I have delivered what God has given me to deliver. Because it's up to you then, once you get the message, to deal with it. You see, when you come to freedom, you're not going to get some kind of uh, snap, crackle, pop message. Okay, you're going to get the word of truth. And then you have to go back and you have to disseminate what you're going to do about it. You can ignore it, or you can take it and, ap- and apprehend it and apply it. And if you do, you will grow. See, many people come and hear the truth, and they walk away and say, well, that doesn't pertain to me. I know who it pertains to. No, no. The minute you start reflecting on somebody else, you need to take that word for yourself, because the bottom line is, you have a problem. I'm just calling it as it is. The voice of the prophets is here this weekend, so it's time for you to hear the truth. So here's the deal. We know that we operate in deception in this world. We even know that today the church has been subverted through deception. You see, today they've, they've marketed the church as the organization that represents God. But Jesus says this, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So then if that's the case, why are men building the church? We need to get in the kingdom and equip the saints with the kingdom. And they let them go out and do what they're called to do. Every one of you that sits here today, you didn't come to church because this is your weekly ritual. You came to church because the Holy Spirit called and drew you. You came to the kingdom because He drew you. You came to the kingdom, like I said last night, because genealogy-wise, people prayed for you hundreds of years ago, and the prayers have gone through the bloodline, and they have captivated you and brought you into the presence of God. You didn't just arrive one day and say, you know, I need Jesus. It's been a, a working of the Spirit within the genealogy of your family that has brought you. You know? I look at my life. I don't even know how I ended up in the church, but I know there were people in my bloodline, missionaries, grandmothers, aunties, that prayed for me, that brought me to this place. My aunt, when I, when I carried my cousin back from battlefield that was killed, and uh, we did his funeral, and I was totally a reprobate. She stood at me at the funeral. She said, you know, Ronnie, God has got you. He is after you. He wants you. I said, what is wrong with you? She said, I'm praying for you. She said, I know God has got a great work for you. And I think to myself, 
I just need to get another bottle of whiskey. I'm not interested in what God has for me. My mind was set up on what I needed to do to quench the pain within my soul. I needed another drink. And she said, don't worry, God's going to speak to you. And I thought, please don't. And I get on an airplane, a military aircraft, and I'm going to fly back to my base. And the airplane stops in the runway, and on gets this naval chaplain, and he sits next to me. And he opens his Bible and starts reading. I'm trying to sleep. And the words in the Bible start speaking to me. And I'm, I've got a hangover. I'm, you know, I've got vineyard flu. And I turned to him. I said, if you don't shut up, I'm going to kill you. And he looked at me and said, you don't have the power. And he started to talk to me about this Jesus. And man, when that plane touched down, I didn't wait for the plane to pull up. I popped that door. I didn't collect my baggage. I still till today have not collect my baggage. I bailed out that thing. I found, the, I found the nearest bar and I washed those words away. But you know the problem is I couldn't, wash, I couldn't drink enough to wash those words away because they went into my soul and they started to compel me. Why? Because the battlefield is the mind. And the battlefield is where you're going to deal all your business in this life. All your battles in the soul, all your battles in the relationship, your economic battles, your marriage battles, your spiritual battles are all going to be based out of your mind because everything is controlled by your mind. Your feelings, your emotions, your physical body, your organs, everything is controlled by your mind. And so the way to win the battle is to win the battle of the mind. And recognize that there's a deeper platform to your mind. It's called the conscience. Right? In the book of Hebrews, it says this. I have to share this with you. I'm sorry if I come across so strong. Hebrews 8 verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I'll put my laws in their mind. And on their hearts also will I write them. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. So listen. I don't think you can get away from the truth. I think the laws of God were written on our mind before we were even born in this world. And so I've started using this concept of what God said in Hebrews. And I, if people say, well, my, my son needs to get saved. Well, the laws of God are written on his mind and in his heart. Start calling it forth. Right. You see, that's what prophets do. They call that destiny. You may be sitting there thinking, well, I, there's no future for me. I don't know what I'm going to do. And a prophet comes into your midst and speaks a word of the Lord. And what does he do? The DNA of the Word of God activates the DNA of the Word of God in you, and there's life. And then suddenly you start finding yourself being propelled by the Word of God, compelled by the Word of God. You do things that you normally wouldn't do. You start caring about people. You start caring about things. You, you start wanting to know more about God. There's this hunger that comes, and you can't understand where it comes from. Because what has happened is the laws of God in your mind have set you free from the law of sin and death. See, this word survives. I don't care what you say. There's nothing that can ever beat the Word of God. It is the most powerful component on earth. And you and I have it. Why am I saying this? It's time, if you want to be involved with what God is doing in this movement. And listen, the world with its lies is not going to stop the move of God. They can try and quench it. They can try and hide it. But let me tell you, it's going to pop up somewhere. 
And somewhere God's going to raise up a prophet. He's going to start speaking. And somewhere it's going to happen. A friend of mine was a missionary to France. Standing on a railway station in France in Charles de Gaulle. And somebody walked out with a gun shot him in the head while he was preaching the gospel. And I know that the blood cries out. And I know in that city, there's been a move of God developed from the blood that cried out. So guess what I'm saying? Hey man, this life is much more than what the world's trying to do to you. We have authority and we have power and we have wisdom and knowledge and understanding. We have giftings and abilities. The world is crying out for these things that you carry. Most of you are stagnant in your Christianity. Why? Because your mind has been subdued by the world. Because you've been darkened in your understanding. And I know this sounds kind of harsh. I don't mean to be harsh, but I'm trying to just tell you the truth. You have a responsibility with the word that's inside of you to start functioning. You have everything at your disposal. You have the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. You should never be wondering what you need to do. Well, I need a word from God. You have it. Here it is. <laughs> well, I want a prophetic word. I want a special word from you. Yeah? You want to really hear the truth? What happens if God starts calling you a reprobate? Oh, beg your pardon. I don't accept that because, you know, I don't accept that word. Well, hey, listen, God called me a reprobate. And it was true. I was. I probably still am. I still got some reprobate in me. I know I'm on, I'm on a journey, man. It's, it's a journey to reconciliation. You know, there's things in your life that take years to reconcile. You know? Trauma, wounding, your upbringing, your childhood. I mean, you know, there's, there's some of us 40, 50, 60, still battling with our childhood battles. The demons that tormented us back then, they're still here. And we bound them and we cast them out, but they came back. You know why? Because you have not dealt with your creative subconscious mind. You've not allowed God to wash your mind with the Word. So I was at this... Um, business thing last week uh, with a church in New Jersey and I said to this businessman I said do you want to see your life change take one day a week and dedicate that day solely to the Lord shut your phone off turn your computer off shut the door go away walk away walk on the beach hide yourself in a hole do something get away from people and make and do business with God get in God's face and your life will drastically change. He said to me, well, how am I supposed to do that? <laughs> I don't know. You're a big boy. <laughs> you know? Figure it out. You want to change your life? Take one day a week. Make a Shabbat. And just go and get with God. And talk to Him like you would your Abba. And sit down and do business with God. Because I'm going to tell you, you don't want to miss this next move. Because in my spirit, I know it's the final move. God is working in the Islamic circles radically. Jesus is appearing to multiple Muslims, revealing himself to them. The reason why is because nobody can get in there preach the gospel, so he's going there himself. Angels are appearing to these people. And they are being converted by the bushel. Can you imagine... 
Muslims who pray five times a day to Allah get converted and, and give their lives to Jesus and start praying five times a day to Jesus. Can you imagine when the Catholic Church gets empowered by the Holy Spirit and they, get the, they have the one, one uh, church worldwide concept of the one world church. Can you imagine when they come in, what's going to happen to evangelism and taking care of the poor? Because us conservative Christians, we hate the poor. They need to get a job. You heard that before? You can't get a job in America if you don't have an address. <laughs> I know, I've been there. Slept in my car. Couldn't get a job. Wasn't illegal. Yeah. Totally. I'm standing in front of you, telling you the truth. I was an illegal for a space of six months. My, my status ran out. I didn't have money to get an attorney. I didn't, have money to, I didn't have money to do anything. I didn't have money to pay attention. It was too expensive for me to even go window shopping. And I sat down and said, God, what have you done to me? You've brought me to hell. God said, no, I brought you to a place where you have nothing so that you could focus on the thing you have. And I said, what do I have? He says, you have the spirit in you. Get up, wash yourself, walk and pray. And I did. And guess what? God brought money from all over the place. I never begged, asked. It came in. God brought clothing. He brought all kinds of food, everything. He said, make your measure, your daily measure. Because he says in his word, I will meet your need according to your measure. So I made my daily measure. What was that for me? That was a conversion in my mind away from toiling and laboring for my resources. Because God said he is my provider. Is he not your provider? See, we've been concepted that we have to have a job. And I'm not saying you don't have to have a job. I'm just saying we've been concepted that he won't take care of you. But if you walk and live by faith and you're called by him and anointed by him to walk with him, then you're not called to do what the world does. You're called to do what he does. And that's to walk. And so I started to do that. I started to walk in that dynamic. And what happened? I was overwhelmed with the blessing of God. I couldn't contain it. It just blew me away. Ooh, good Lord God, where did all this come from? You see, I ended into a different economic strata. I wasn't dependent on the economy and the culture. Now I was dependent on the economy of the throne of God. The angels on assignment would bring stuff. Uh, that's where I want to be. I don't know about you. Hello? Are you guys dead? <laughs> I'm sharing with you. People, listen. The key to winning the battle is to deal with the mind and the conscience. Change the world. You may be American, but let me tell you, the day you went through the water baptism, you died to this culture. And you were raised in another kingdom. And you need to get into that kingdom and start functioning like you're in that kingdom. There's no harm with you living in America. It's great. But America needs to see the kingdom. They need to see the works of God performed by you. We have all these big professional ministers running around doing all their theatrics. And what outcome do we have? Nothing. But when you, the saints of the Most High, anointed by God, walk out in the highways and byways, are convinced of the gift of the Spirit in you, and you start doing what you're called to do, there will not be a place for professional ministers anymore. You want the church to change? You change. 
One by one. You do it. You get out there and you renew your mind. Spend time with God. Start walking in your anointing. Do the thing God's called you to do. I don't care what it is. Making ice sculptures. Whatever you do, do that as a demonstration of His kingdom. Why am I saying this? This is a clarion call to the body of Christ. Wake up. Renew your mind. Clothe yourself in your right mind. Get out of the stupidity of the culture. The, the enemy has blinded the culture. I'm devastated when I look at what people do to children and what people do to each other in this culture. Disgusting. And it's worse amongst the wealthy. Oh, boy. I stepped on somebody's. Did you feel that? Roger said, did you feel that? Because I probably stepped on your toes. So here's the word of the Lord to you. It is time for you to take responsibility for the gift and the spirit that God has put in you. You do business with God. You get before God. You pray. You have communion. You fast. You start praying. You start calling things forth in your life. You be your own voice. You take the word of the Lord and you speak to yourself. You encourage yourself in your most holy faith. And you have demonic problems? Get with somebody who knows God and who can talk to you and deal with those things. Good grief, people. How many times do we need to lay hands and cast devils out of each other? There comes a day when you have to be in your right mind, clothed, like the gallery in demonic, clothed in his right mind. You don't have to be chained to a, uh, to a graveyard anymore. You know? we have, we have, we've chained ourselves to a dead church. I cannot understand how people can go to the same place every week, put their, all their resources in that, and have nothing when they come out. Empty. They come out the same way they went in. Dead. Because we have professional ministers. A pastor friend of mine says, I need to get another job. I said, what kind of job? He said, well, a pastor. I said, that's not a job, bro. That's a calling. You want to go get a job, go down to Mickey D's and flip hamburgers. That's a job. But you're not, this, is, this is not a job. This is a calling. This is a perpetual, ongoing, continual thing. And you've all been called to walk this way. Everyone that is here, to each is given a gift. Each. Are there, how many eaches do we have? Are you in each? You've been given a gift. You have a responsibility. Do not be like the foolish guy that buried his talent because you felt there was a cruel master. Start sowing your talent. Sow your gift. Sow your resource. Sow your finances. Sow your time. Sow your effort. Sow your energy. Share your stuff with the body. Share your stuff with people. Be wise in your administration of what God has given you. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Yeah? Miss Piggy is not going to get saved. Don't worry about her. Kermit's taking care of her. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Make sure that when you do something, that it is by the Spirit. And that's me. Why I'm sharing this is because God has spoken to me to write a book about the mind. I do these, I do these conferences with businessmen about how to renew their mind and change the way they see so they can actually expand their concepts. But I feel compelled by the Spirit to start writing a book to the body 
so that people can go through the process and see there's seven levels of regeneration of your mind. There's eight levels of degeneration before you know Christ. Once you know the Lord, there's seven levels of recreation where your mind gets recreated in Him. That's profound, eh? So I just bless you as the body of Christ. And I just say to you today, if you want to hear a word from the Lord, you need to hear what I'm saying. This is the heart and the cry of the prophet to you. is for you to get ready, to prepare yourself. Come out of your stinking thinking. Come into this place of God's glory with His grace and with His mercy and His opportunity where God has greater things for you than you could ever imagine. Yeah? I know, the, I know, I know the things I have planned for you, says the Lord. The hope and the future. You're not lost. You're found. So act like someone has been found. Act like one that has a solution. Act like one that has an answer. Because definitely the politicians don't. When I talk about professional liars, that's what I'm talking about right there. So I just pray in Jesus' name that you would hear what the Word is saying to you today, what the Lord is saying to you, and that you'll move in that direction of making an adjustment. Let the Holy Spirit guide you and show you. None of you are excluded from the kingdom. Every one of you has been brought in and included in his plan. Now act like it. Hey, Ron, good morning. Thank you, Ron. You know, I've not heard Ron preach. He preaches to be pretty good. Good morning. seems that I have to do it every time that I get up. I, it's just, it's, if I may, I don't have the word. I really don't have the words. I don't know how to tell you. I really don't. So tell us what? Um, now, in relation to me following or flowing in the spirit of what has taken this morning, our prayers, our worship, our ministry, Ron's ministry, uh, absolutely not. I, I need to flow along with what the Holy Spirit is doing, okay? And I, I intend to. I intend to. So you say, well, what are you sort of saying then? Are you going to say something different? Well, hopefully I won't say anything that's contradictory. But what it is about me 
is what happened to me that has made me so different to what I was. Now, I can do this, I can do it with Ron. Ron's been really giving a lot of people that he doesn't agree with these days a lot of heat. These stupid people, these so-and-so the other, and the this and the that and this kind of thing. Well, he was one of them stupid people. Drowning himself in drink and in the ignorance of his own carnal mind. Or he knew what he was doing and where he was going. I've never heard him talk like that. I've never heard... Coming here, this is the first time I've heard Ron preach. So I'm hearing a little bit about him that I didn't even know. He's telling quite a story. He's quite a character, evidently. Are you sure you're converted now? Okay. I know he's handy with his gun. Maybe we need to behave ourselves. He'll shoot you. Okay. Ron got converted. And that word is a big word. Do you remember what the Savior said to Peter? When you get converted. And this about the mind is very, very important. It's more than important. It's absolutely, absolutely, absolutely essential. Uh, you know, to, to relate to being stupid, we're all a bit stupid at times, you know. Uh, me included. Come on now, we're human. But the Lord does want to renew our mind. And we need to, we, when the preacher preaches like this, we need to do something about it. Can't keep coming out to the altar away. You, you, like he's saying, I want to say this. I want to say this. Very needful. And he did. So we've heard it this morning. So where are you going, Rog? Well, when I got converted, I, talk about religious spirit, I was assemblies of God. Yeah, we say assemblies of God. Mom and dad were in the assemblies. Mom was, played the piano and dad and everything. Maybe a testimony might help here a little bit. I don't know. I, I really, really, and you all do. I, I'm always apologizing that I don't say anything to offend anybody. You're going to have to forget it. Too bad. The point, the point I'm trying to make here is uh, there may be some, you may be having a problem with who I am, not as a person. Hello, I've shook your hand. I'm normal. I'm quite human. I'm okay. I eat. I mow the grass. I drive the car. I, you know, I'm me. But in relation to this anointing that's on my life that I don't hardly understand myself, I've struggled with it all my life. Yesterday afternoon and yesterday morning when I talked to the staff, the Lord really spoke to me about this word when he said, when I made that challenge the other night, the first night that I was here, all I kept getting was to tell you, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And, uh, you know, I hadn't got any scripture for it, but I know what I know what it. It was when the disciples of John heard that Jesus was right there. You know, this is the Lamb of God. So the guys that were following John left John and followed Jesus. And Jesus said, King James, what seek ye? And they wanted to know where he was staying. But in a, a different, well, the Passion Translation, which I've read about ten pages of up so far, it writes there quite clearly that Jesus said to them when he turned to them when they were following him, saying, "What do you want?" Why are you following me? That's what he was saying. And they want to know where he's staying. 
And in that notes that the man, uh, the man that wrote the Passion Bible, well, wrote it, the, the, the brother that put, compiled it, put it all together, a fellow by the name of Brian Simmons, he, he certainly had a revelation without a doubt. You know, but anyway, the point he says, every Christian should ask that question. Why am I following Christ? What is the purpose that I have by coming and doing what I believe I'm supposed to do? What, what, is your, what are you after when you come to church? When I went to church, Sunday morning, Yea, the Lord would say, I am in the midst of thee. For surely, says the Lord, as thou dost worship me, I am in the midst. Now, I'm talking a little bit like the man that used to do the interpretation. Brother Bunting, yeah. Brother Bunting. Yea, the Lord would say. And I used to sit there, and don't forget, I'm just a young fellow, 15, 16, whatever. And that went on, of course. Then I got into, not exactly into the world like the world is today. You know, I just got into it a little bit and everything. Then I met Emily and I got, you know. But I was still involved in the church, but I, I wasn't anything. And there was nothing much going on. You know, we, we didn't believe in prophets or anything like that. We, well, I believed in prophets in the Bible. But as regarding the reality of it, and in, uh, in my inquiry mind, my mind was like, if God is speaking, why didn't he say something about the pastor? Uh, the pastor that we had, he was a former miner, been a miner up in Sunderland, and he got uh, streptomycin or whatever it is in his lungs. And so he was really chesty, you know, talked a lot like that. Um, uh, he was a good man, but, uh, you know. And we, they, they, we, he was in the flat above the church, which was totally damp, ringing wet, and they paid him peanuts. Oh, I don't know what he was getting, but he weren't getting anything much. And then there was the man who led the praise and worship, and Mr. and Mrs. Rogers, and him, him. I should never have married him, him. They got about ten kids, so they must have been busy. However, the point was, I used to think, why doesn't God say something about that? And God never said anything about it. And that was all it was. That was all it was. It was just how it was, and it went on. Well, it looks like I'm going in this direction. This will help me a little bit. It'll help me if it doesn't help you. Because I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do when I come to a place. I've, I've ministered all over the world. You can read about me a little bit. There's a little bit on my Facebook page. There's a little bit on my website, RogerTeal.org. A little bit, but I don't write stuff much on there, so you won't know much about me unless somebody tells you about me. But anyway, the point is that um, uh, I was still going to the church and everything, and well, you know. Uh, but anyway, they decided to have a crusade, and they brought an evangelist from the Assembly of God, and he brought two young men with him that were uh, like evangelists, fresh out of Bible school, full of fire. And I was officially like the young people's leader. Uh, we are Christ's ambassadors, and our colors we must unfurl. And, you know, that's the Assembly of God youth group. Uh, and he came to my house. I'm married to Emily now. we got Wendy and Cher and two girls. And uh, sitting on my car, we have, uh, you know what November the 5th is in England? Give you a bit of history. November the 5th is when Guy Fawkes, political conflict going on right now, right then at that time, wanted to blow up the Houses of Parliament. And of course, he didn't get away with it. They caught him, which was a good thing, actually. But what we do, we keep that tradition in England. We have a bonfire and that's set of fireworks and we have baked potatoes and all that kind of thing. And so they were at my house doing that. That's what we do. We got the bonfire and all the rest of it. And of course, we were doing those things that do in the youth group, you know, playing guitars. Hasn't the Lord been good to us? Hasn't the Lord been good? 
yeah, that's what we did, just like you do it today, da-da-da-da-da. And this young man, 15 years old, come to me, was there, I'm in there, and he said, what are you doing with your life? I said, what do you mean what I'm doing with my life? He said, what are you doing with your life? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean I'm doing with my life? We said, well, what were you doing with your life? Well, my dad was a window cleaner. Now I go cleaning windows to earn an honest bob. For an Ozzy Parker, it's an interesting job. <laughs> Maybe you don't know what a Ozzy Parker is. <laughs> I'm a, well, sure. Uh, it was a good job. Oh, yeah, cash. Cash. Oh, cash. Oh, yeah. My dad built a good business, and we did shop workshops and offices and stuff like that. All cash. Buy my own house, no debt. Oh, yeah, sure, we're doing pretty good. What are you doing with your life? What do you mean, what am I doing with my life? And he said, you have the call of God on your life. I said, yeah, right. He says, can I pray for you? I said, sure, go ahead. You know, I didn't mean like can't or anything, just, just, okay, okay. So I sat in the arm of the chair, the couch there, and he prayed, Lord, I don't know what he prayed, but Lord, Lord, you know, Roger, you love Roger, and I'm sure he prayed like you would pray, you know. Lord, we just thank you for Harold. We just thank you for his life. We just love him, Lord, this morning. We know you've got a plan for his life. And Lord, as he sits here this morning on the front of the row, Lord, we just pray that, God, you will use him in a great way in the Freedom Church. Because, Lord, we just know that your hand's on his life and you've always called him. you call him since he was a young lad. And, Lord, this morning as we've heard about the destiny and we've heard about the future and those that prayed, just like Ron was speaking this morning, people have prayed for Harold and believed for him. And now, Lord, that you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. We do that, don't we? Because that's all we know to do. So he prayed for me. But somehow, like we can never understand the power of prayer, I was somewhat affected. I didn't cry or anything. But I thought, hmm, okay. And I made up my mind. I made up my mind. Oh, yeah, 24, 5 years old. I made up my mind that I was going to find this God of the Bible. Don't forget, I, I, was, I, I was saved, if that's officially, when I was 7 years old. Mama, it was Sunday school. I gave my heart to the Lord. I was baptized in water when I was 13. Uh, filled with the Spirit, when I was 13. So I knew all about it. But I did not know the God of the Bible. But I've read about the God of the Bible. I've heard about the God of the Bible. I've heard what the God of the Bible can do. I've heard what the Bible of God wants from me and all the rest of it. But I still don't know about the God of the Bible. And I wondered how I could do something about it. Nobody would instruct me, but I was very sincere. And so, again, I know we can bring in spiritual mind games and think, well, you know, the Lord told me, or I felt the Lord told me the other. But where I lived in a semi-detached house, we were buying our own home, semi-detached, Brian Brenda lived next door, we're right here, Nine Pinewood Drive, Scarborough, Yorkshire. I'm an Englishman, okay? So here I'm living in the 70 touch. Where you're walking through the front door like that, here's the kitchen, you know, the little kitchen here. And you go into the through lounge, which is a through lounge. But when you come in the door, 
There's the stairs that go up, round, and up to the next floor. We had three bedroom doves. But when you come in that door, if you're wearing your coat or you have your boots on or anything, there's a closet. And in the closet you would hang your coat. And also we had the gas meter and the electric meter because if you, you could pay for your electric and your gas. And the man would come every week, knock, knock, morning, love, come to read the gas. And you put ten pence in and that's all. Well, you see, I thought to myself, I've got to find a place. I've got to find a place that's quiet where I'm not going to be disturbed by my kids and all the rest of it that was going on. And so, as you know, as they are going through this door, and here's the closet, and the stairs are here, right underneath there, there must be a cubby hole under the stairs. Well, there was. So I got a chair and cut the legs off the bottom of it and put what we call shepherd's casters, a roller casters on it. And I made this little chair, and I went under the stairs and made this little spot right under the stairs like that. And I sat under there, I just started to pray and read. My mum had given me a Bible. My mum died with a brain condition when I was three years old, so I understand. But in that little Bible, it was Isaiah 26.3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, for he trusteth in thee. But anyway, so I'm reading this little Bible, and would you believe, Sister Bunting, that's Mr. Bunting's wife, uh, she was very stoic, you know, okay, very well. You know, so holy. They squeaked when they walked. Yeah, whatever. She said, Roger, uh, I've got something for you. I said, oh, yes, Mr. Martin, Mrs. Martin, what is it? She said, you know, Fred died. Fred did. Fred died, and she said, I've got his Bible. I think you can borrow it. I think it'll do you some good. I said, oh, right on. It was hard-backed. Green, green canvas, hard-backed, Thompson Chain Reference Bible. So I got this Bible, and I start to read it, and I start to read the notes, and, and the more I read it, the more I realized that people weren't doing what it said, <laughs> including me. But as I read, and as I prayed, and as I read, and as I prayed, God started to do things in my life that you would not believe. Now, being my own boss, I could come and go just wherever I want at any time because I'm my own boss. You know, I don't answer to nobody. And that's how it was. So I had time to spend time with God. And the more I did, the more I changed. Did I change in my mind? Yeah, I changed in my mind. But it was a change in my heart. It was a change completely, not so much the way I thought, but more to do with who I was dealing with. I began to understand the sovereignty of God. I began to understand the way that God thinks and the way that God does things. And all I wanted was that. And I had no idea really how I could fulfill this. But of course, the Holy Spirit was speaking and moving. I wasn't speaking in tongues all the time, but I felt that there was such... I was longing for one significant thing. And it was to feel his presence. So when I come in this church, you can sing till the cows come home. You can shout. You can hoot. You can give me a paradiddle on the drums. And I know about playing the drums. You can give me a bit of Eric Clapton on the guitar. 
Yes, the presence is there. You may feel a presence. You may create a presence. And I'm not being naughty. Bear with me now. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I waited primarily for about two, three, four years. I was under the stairs. Not for a period, but that's where I was. And what began to happen was I began to know things about people that nobody knew about but God. And as a result of that, I would sort of say things at the church at times. And say, oh, Roger, you mustn't talk like that. That's what I did. And then there was a lady who said, Roger isn't a prophet. <laughs> I knew Roger when he was in short pants. Well, yeah, I did wear short pants, but now, you know... Because, ladies and, ladies and gentlemen, yes, brothers and sisters, I was no prophet. Uh, this, is it. This, is, this testimony is very powerful. It will be touching some of you or maybe one or two of you here. However, I speak that respectfully because I'm only effective in certain people's lives pertaining to this which I'm sharing with you. Anyway, so I began to know things that nobody else knew and would speak them out. Not in a prophetic sense. I wouldn't be going, yeah, the Lord says that you are so-and-so, so-and-so, and that when you were on Falls Grave, you, and you stopped at that grocery store and you found that man, and when you went to the church, there was a, a backslider and uh, a, de- uh, uh, a guy who betrayed the, not whatever it is, just the, the army, and he was sleeping on the air. You know, I didn't know things that were going on. And then also I tried to test myself. I'd write things on my hand. Good morning. Good morning, Maroon. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm, yeah. Well, you know, is your name Jack? What's your name? Ron. Oh, Ron. Oh, okay. Well, good day. Good to meet you, Ron. Got it wrong. I thought his name was Jack. I'd written Jack on my hand. But his name's Ron. Missed it. Right there. Okay. But after a little while, doing a few tests and practicing, I started to be a little bit more better at... Uh, um, what I thought was discerning people. But of course, it's the discerning of spirits that's the Holy Ghost that discerns people, not doing a bit of psychiatry or a psychosis or something. However, psychosis does work, you know. I mean, you go to a good psychologist or wherever he is, you know, a psychiatrist, he'll read your mind as well. <laughs> uh, sort of, however. Um, so, where are we going with this? And as a result, it began to change my life and the people I met, it changed their lives too. And then they, uh, there was a lady came from America, was preaching in a church 60 miles away, had a hat, like, uh, hair up here from the Pentecostal Church of God in America, and she said, you need to come to America. Oh, right, so I went to Woolworths and I got my picture taken in the kiosk there, bing, and got a passport. And, uh, of course, I'm still my own boss, so I can come and clean windows as I like, whatever. But things were getting behind. I wasn't doing the work. I was reading my Bible all day. I was wanted to go to a meeting anywhere where I could get. And this, uh, it was very hard on my family, very hard for my wife. What's happened to Roger? He's become, you know, he's crazy for God type of thing. It was extremely radical. Not, not disrespectfully, but that's how it was. So I came to America, that's what it was. It's quite a while ago now, of course, 50 years ago. I went in this Pentecostal church of God of America, and I was there, and about 20 people. 
And I'm known for pointing my finger. I can point at people and say, you, come here, you, come here, you know. So my gifts started making room for me. That's Romans 8, 15, 14, or 13, or 20. It's in the book anyway. And uh, uh, my gifts started making room for me. And of course, the Lord opened doors that no man will shut, which is what again he did. So as these doors began to open, I sort of went through them. And as I was going through them, the more I went through them, the more it was that I became under pressure, pressure to produce what it is that people were saying I could produce. That's not easy. That's not easy at all. And so in those early days, it was very difficult for me to try and navigate among people, and especially to navigate among the preachers. And if you go back in those early years that I went, and I'm not, I'm just telling you this because a little bit of my testimony, well, it's what it is. And I met, uh, you know, it's when, when men were just getting, some of the great men of God getting started, Reinhard and Benny and all these guys, I know these guys, and Rod gave them the word of the Lord. Rodney, I, I, I often say that, I say it to bless him, he's a great man of God, doing a wonderful work, Rodney R. Brown. Rodney was in a meeting in Port Elizabeth, that's his church where he was, and I stood, I was there to preach in South Africa, this is nice, I said, there's a young man here that's listening to Ken Copeland's tapes and Kenneth Hagen tapes, and, uh, and Word of Faith, and, uh, and, and he doesn't know where he's going or what he's, do, what, what he's doing, it's you, you, come out here, and it was Rodney. So I gave him the word of the Lord that God had called him and chosen him and he's going to go to America and God's going to use him greatly. And then there was another family I didn't know who they were. I just said, you, you people, God's going to do a great work in your life and you're going to be, uh, you're going to America too. It was his mom and dad. So God knows every. By the way, we have a problem. God knows everything. That's a problem. Oh, no, it's wonderful. Mm, well, it depends on which way you look at it. Okay. So this gift in my life started to make room for me. I'm not going to talk about that anymore. But I will, I will, I'll, I'll give you a chance. I, I, I shouldn't say that. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. There's no meeting tonight. I usually have one meeting, two meetings the most. I've wondered, I've wondered if the glory of the Lord had come down and you'd all be laughing your socks off, which usually happens probably before we leave. Maybe, I don't know. You know, Philip went to Samaria and preached Christ until there was great joy in that city. I believe they just, I believe they just got full of the joy of the Lord. Some people don't, people have never laughed for their life, you know, whatever. I ain't talking about laughing, I'm just talking about feeling the presence and the joy of the Lord that much that you just can't hold up. You're just so, you're just so full of God. You're just so, it's just wonderful. It's wonderful. We are, we were doing this 40 years ago in the Tabernacle of Deliverance, Scarborough, Yorkshire. Yeah, God hasn't changed. This isn't new. It isn't new. There's nothing new under the sun. This is hard going, Harold. So here you are looking at me, and like I said, I've explained a little bit, and you're still wondering who I am. Well, don't look at me anymore. Look at yourself. And ask yourself, what are you doing? What is it that you do believe? Listening to the message this morning, as far as I'm concerned, it was excellent. 
and you need to get the tape if you like and listen and do something about it because your life will stand still if you don't do something and regarding the anointing on my life which I greatly protect and you're not going to get what I've got you may get a measure but you're not going to get what I've got maybe if I'm dead you might get I don't know who knows I, this, what I have this isn't mine without him you can do nothing can I sing? sure I can sing can I play the piano? a little bit yeah I'm playing sing. I'm playing guitar I talk guitar Talk classical guitar. Oh, yeah, I play guitar. I've got a Fender. I've got a Fender Telecaster. Sure. I played in a band. I was captain. Fleetwood Mac. What are you talking about? I can tell you all that. But that's nothing. I'm not here to distribute any of my talents. They're earthly. You can learn to play the guitar. You can learn to cheat people. Are we all leaving? What's happening? Where are you going? Oh, okay. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. The Lord be with you now. Come back. Take care. Bye-bye. Love you. Love you. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye, little one. Look at me this morning. I certainly can draw attention to myself. Look at me, I'm wearing my suit. I'm not, I'm not against the way you dress. I'm, I'm a bit old English. I'm Church of England, so what? I haven't got my uh, clerical collar on either. I'm just in the Lord's house this morning. I, I make it a standard, certainly. I need to take communion. I need, I need the Lord's table. By the way, you missed a little bit at the end. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Is that there? Well, yeah. For I have received the Lord, that which also I delivered unto you, that the same night in which our Lord was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, This is my body which is given for you. After the same manner also he took the cup. said, Do you know that? Well, yeah, I've done it a million times. You can learn. You can learn. You can learn to be holy. People will think you are, but God knows your heart. This morning as you are here, and we've had the word. We've had the word. We've praised the Lord. We've, ta we've taken an offering. We took communion. And now it's Rog. Hey, how are you? This is Rog. I'm Rog. Oh, Rog the prophet. Yeah, that's what I do, but I'm still Rog. I'm Rog, my grandkid, Rog. So what does this all mean? Well, I'm showing you how human I am. And that's where you are. But if you'll give your life to Jesus Christ, you'll do more with it than you can. So let's bow our heads for a moment.
And I want you to seriously now consider who you are and what you have chosen, certainly, possibly, to be for the Lord. I can't go back into all the things that God has been dealing with your soul or your mind. You've had much ministry and you know each other and the pastor loves and knows and he knows about all those natural things of life that we deal with. But this morning as we're here, let's look at what the purpose is for each one of us in life. There may be those of you here that feel that, or might be one or two that feels that they've been called to be a prophet or a minister like the young lady that wants to be a minister for the Lord. Maybe there are things in your life that you said you would do that you didn't do. Now I know all these kind of things are all very applicable very often and that's why, you know, you can say that. If I would say to you, you may be done something that you feel ashamed of, haven't we all? And so when you lay the ground like that and then appeal to say, and if you'd like to put it right today, then come to the altar. Well, obviously, you would. So you say, well, why are you saying that now and then you're going to tell us to come to the altar? Well, the reason I'm saying it is because I'm saying it. This morning, if you mean from today, this morning, if my watch is correct, and it's an Apple watch, it's 10 after 12. If you really mean that you're going to seek the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and you mean it, you're not going to come out to the front so we can see who it is. You're coming out to the front as a significant sign to God that you mean to do just that. And you're not going back. You're not going to compromise. You're going to focus. You're going to discipline yourself. You're going to be obedient because you know already you may come. You may be found in the balances wanting, but there's grace and mercy this morning. This is not a ministry of condemnation. We are free by the blood of Christ. Come into the freedom of Christ in the Freedom Church this morning and mean business. And if you do mean business this morning, I'm going to invite you now, no music, no singing, no dancing, to come and make that commitment this morning. Now, yes, sir. Tell it what we do, that's all it is. Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. We're all filing out. What, 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 what exactly is happening here? I'll tell you what's happening. Hey, I, I'm not good at all formulas. The anointing on my life as a prophet, when I speak, I speak under the unction of the Spirit of God. You are spirit beings. 
when you stop breathing, you're still alive, but you leave here. But right now, the Spirit of God is communicating with your spirit because of the anointing of the Spirit on my life. And the Spirit of God has communicated with you and drawn you. For no man can come to me except my Spirit draw him. And you've heard the voice like they heard the voice of John the Baptist. You've heard the voice like the Apostle Peter. You've heard the voice like Dr. Billy Graham. You've heard the call. And you've come. Come on, keep coming if you're coming. That will do. Stay where you are if you're good now. I think we will do that, Lord. How many of you know that little chorus? I surrender all. I surrender all. Close your eyes and lift up your hands. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to my blessed Savior, I My God, this morning I thank Thee that Thou hast chosen me. I thank Thee, O God, that Thou wouldst give me opportunity to declare unto them who Thou art. And this day, O God, I ask that Thy mercies will be extended. For thy blessedness is beyond our comprehension, and thy glory has come, and we have seen thy face in a measure. This morning, as you see our hearts, as you see our minds, as you know our faults and that which was, right now, O Lord, we come before you and thank you for your great mercy's sake. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love. I thank you, Lord, that this day is a day of reckoning where we acknowledge that without you we are nothing. But with you we become what you have purposed us to become. And so, Lord, I thank you for these prophets. I thank you for these evangelists. I thank you for these pastors. I thank you these, for these Philip evangelists and these Stephens, these biblical characters that would be personified in these people here this morning. I thank you for Harold and his dear wife. I thank you for the mantle on his life, like a Moses to lead these people forward. Lord, he doesn't need to be killed off. Nay, but he's not a Joshua. He's certainly a Moses. Lord, help him to implement the law. The Lord of the Spirit of life. Not the old law, but the new law. And Lord, he'll be an expression of it. 
Yes, in word, but the way that he lives, the way that he walks, the way that he speaks, and the anointing that he carries. Lord, I pray that it would be tangible to those that are around him, that his touch, his touch, to deliver, to heal, to cast out, to rise up above every conflict and confidence that men have against thee that, Lord, he will pull down strongholds in this city, and that his name and ministry will travel around the world. Keep him at home, Lord. Don't let him get ambitious. Hit him in the head if you do. Put him on the sickbed if that happens. He needs to stay in town. Stay in town. So, Lord, I thank you for him, and I thank you for these that have upheld his hands, his staff, these chaps, these guys that want to do this and want to do that and want to do the other. Lord, give them the structure and the pattern. I thank you for Ron, who has invested in these people. Show this man more that he may move in this group and bless them and show them and lead them and teach them. But, Lord, most of all, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that has enabled me to... Do what I've done this morning, and I give you the praise and the glory. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. I'm leaving. On a jet plane, don't know when I'll be back again. The Lord bless you, and the Lord bless you. Bishop? Wow. If you leave, if you leave don't leave early, please. We, we, wanna, we really want to bless the prophet. And I know he's just going like this, but, you know, the Bible says if we sow into a prophet, we receive a prophet's reward. So I want to give you the opportunity to sow into the prophets this morning. So, um, you want your blessing? Yes, he wants his blessing. But can we get the, the ministry basket over here, Randy, on the end? We'll put that in the middle so we can differentiate the offering. This, this will be the basket for the offering for the prophets, okay? I'm going to put it right here in the middle. So I want to encourage you to come and sow into the prophet. Wow. Have y'all been blessed this weekend? Have y'all been blessed this weekend? Hallelujah. It's been a wonderful weekend. Let's give, let's give the Lord a, just a, a clap offering for Brother Roger and Brother Ron. Let's leave changed. Let's purpose in our heart to be who God's called us to be. Amen. You come and give. I want to remind you, if you did not get an email or a Realm notification this afternoon at 4 o'clock here at the church, if you're a leader in a department, a life group leader, life group pastor, we want to invite you to come back and we're going to meet together and uh, see what God has in store for us. So that's at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Any leadership role that you serve in, we want you to be here. Amen. Amen.
With the Father's heart thou shalt know, thou shalt see and feel the wounds of those that shall come across thy path. In your house there is stuff that needs to be got out of. You need to get rid of it, you need to burn it, don't sell it, get rid of it. You're not going to need it. I have a property for thee, saith the Lord, that is south of this area. Where, yes, saith the Lord, thou will have a place of refuge. The afflicted and the oppressed and those that have naught shall come across the threshold and shall find deliverance. For, yea, I have given thee a ministry of deliverance. For it is the Spirit of the Lord that is upon thee that shall enable thee to cast the devil out. Hold him, somebody, hold him. Hold him. Hold him up. He must fall down. Let go, girl, a moment. Uh, just Harold, where's Ronnie? Ronnie. those that have substance and you will use the wealth of the sinner to raise up that which I will do for thee for thou will I make you saith the Lord for thou hast given to me saith the Lord much therefore I will make you a steward of my wealth therefore thou will have much in thy pocket and thou shalt have that which I give unto thee saith the Lord for my kingdom thy name shall be known thou shalt be seen yea on the heavy stations of the world for they shall see this man and they shall say who is he he is like a Joseph. And they say, nay, he's not a Joseph. He is an imposter. But yea, saith the Lord, the devil shall take hold of that which has been spoken and try to manipulate it. But in his manipulating, he shall fall foul of that which he intends to do. For yea, saith the Lord, I will give thee special favor with the discipline system and the prison systems of the United States. And you will go before Congress and you will stand before them. And I will open doors to you to those, saith the Lord, that are in the prisons. And yea, even saith the Lord, as the Spirit of the Lord is upon thee and hath anointed thee, yea, saith the Lord, thou shalt open, let him go, the prisons to them that are bound.